Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts, are they the exciting new heroes the world needs? Thunderbolts, strike! Today makes at least half a dozen times the Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are. The Masters of Evil! In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. He's right. You may be wearing a songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team, and he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us, but apparently we've got a ways to go. Hey guys, and welcome to Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast and a, a fanhole spinoff podcast. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm going to be your host tonight. Uh, and uh, tonight uh, I am joined by. Hey, what's up? This is Derek. Derek WC. Schwein! It's my body! I thought I walked with it! Yeah, I don't have anything quite like that. I'm the Irredeemable Shag, uh, and I am guesting on this episode once again because this is the first issue of Thunderbolts I ever read. You might have heard that story <laughs> once before, though. We were legally obligated to include Shag again, so <laughs> yes. I guess we'll all just make the best of it. <laughs> For those of you that listened to the episode a year and a half ago and they did one of these, uh, I told them issue 14 was my first issue, and I was mistaken. So it was actually this one. So, uh, and this is really a great introductory issue. I mean, I would literally put this in the hands of anyone and say, here's the Thunderbolts and they could follow it. And I think it's a, I think it's a win. Yeah. It's a good, like, you know, this new status quo issue kind of like, and I, I think like even, even the first few pages kind of bear that out. But uh, yeah, let me, I'll, I'll read the summary I wrote up. It's not, well, I mean, it's a little long, but it's not too detailed. I'm probably missing a lot of like finer details in it, but uh, yeah. If, we'll I, do that. If, I, if I can be rude, Mike, and interrupt you, oh, yeah. I just did. Um, so should we discuss something else that's a little important about Thunderbolts oh, yeah, yeah, that might have come what? up since the last episode? Yeah, like as of this recording, like, you know, it was officially announced by uh, San Diego Comic-Con that there will be a Thunderbolts movie in, what is it, 2024, Shag? July 26th, 2024. Yeah, so, yeah, like what what we prophesied in the very first, I think the very first episode of Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning is that, you know, we, we were... We wanted to make sure we knew that Thunderbolts was cool before it was cool, like K-E-W-L. <laughs> and, you know, before the filthy casuals got their grubby mitts on it. And now we have proven, you know, we're, we're all prepped to, uh, you know, put our thumb our noses at those people. So, yeah. So, I mean, Shag, yeah, what you said you had a lot of, like, info on, like, what, what we know so far about the Thunderbolts movie. So, yeah, go ahead. Which is very, very little. I mean, we know the release date, which I mentioned already. We know that it's the last project of Phase 5, which is sort of interesting because usually the last project of a phase is kind of important. Uh, we know the director is Jake Schreier. I'm probably saying that wrong. And one of the writers involved is uh, named Eric Pearson. He helped write Black Widow. 
And the term, the, the, the phrase they used, that Kevin Feige used to describe the group is an exciting new group of heroes. That's what he said, which is weird because I remember seeing lots of headlines saying it was going to be a villain movie, but Feige said an exciting new group of heroes. So what does that suggest to you, Mike and Derek? I think it's confusing because, you know, there, there have been a couple different iterations of Thunderbolts. Uh, if, if, if we, I guess had to choose, right? Like you, we would probably go with kind of the classic versions, Sure, but I, I think there's been certain speculation that, you know, at, at the very least that you would think Zemo has to be involved in it, but mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of scuttlebutt about, you know, uh, the Contessa, you know, yeah. assembling all these folks in the background, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the new black widow or white widow or whatever we're calling her. And, U.S. agent and and whoever else and and that they may be, you know, part of this this whole Thunderbolts movie or what have you. Maybe like, you know, Abomination and, uh, you know, whoever, whatever they like, I think they're kind of maybe they they're kind of leaning towards a merging of like Thunderbolts and like the Dark Avengers like concept almost. So, well, when I hear they say a group of heroes that suggests to me they're going to try and pull the fake out from issue one of Thunderbolts. That's what I'm really hoping. I mean, I want to see Citizen V. I want to see, you know, whoever, you know, um, or a U.S. agent would be hard to cover up. But the other ones, I mean, like if they had U.S. agent, quote unquote, leading a team and it looks like all these new heroes and then halfway through the movie, they reveal it's actually Zemo. It's actually, you know, Yelena. It's I don't know, maybe the ghost or Abomination or, or whoever uh, Taskmaster. I mean, that would be great to fake out the audience. And at first, I thought there's no way they could make that work, but they did it with um, Mysterio. You know, they tricked everyone that Mysterio was going to be a hero. So I, I think it, given the history of Thunderbolts and that's what it's remembered for so strongly, is that fake out? I really hope they try. I mean, it, it seems like it's kind of skipping the line for the, you know, like if you were going to do that, you'd think you'd do like a Avengers movie with maybe the Masters of Evil first and then pull the wool mm. over everybody's eyes. But but I, I you know, I don't know, like like, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe there's a way they can they can still pull off some kind of twist or reveal even even for maybe longtime fans, like maybe throw in some curveballs to that because there is kind of that. I don't know, uh, subterfuge where, you know, it's like, oh, well, well, you know, the, the, the main Marvel guy is, is selling it as a new team of heroes, but you know, it seems like a lot of the, the media circuits are saying that it's, you know, a, a group of villains, right? Like, and, and, and I think, I don't know, it, it seemed like even, even the filthy casuals are, are kind of like, is this going to be like the suicide squad movie? Like that's, that's, that's the, the problem. Kinda, yeah. That's the kind of scuttlebutt that, that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, hearing the chatter you know amongst the fans right like so so that's um i guess that's something to to consider i mean i I, you know i i don't think they're going out of their way to to set up like you know i think i think mike's trying to pick and choose from different things we've seen dropped right we've seen elena and we've seen u.s agent and we've seen abomination and in uh shang chi and and all that stuff right so so that that might be the assemblage but it you know i don't know maybe you're right maybe maybe it might not be or it could be that that you know some some hero shows up and then all of a sudden you find out no it's really emil blonsky or whatever like it could be that that's the twist i don't know maybe maybe they're targeting the people who didn't know who the winter soldier was 
Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's another yeah. one. A lot of people mm-hmm. had no idea mm-hmm. that was coming because yeah. the yeah. norms, you know, are going to have no clue. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. Well, it's an exciting time to be a Thunderbolts fan. That's for sure. Yeah, like I, I was happy. No matter what, I, I was happy to you know hear that they were finally gonna you know pull the trigger on it. So I can, I can only hope that they have a good you know spin on it. I can only hope there's more Zemo dance parties. In yeah, the future. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah Zemo is like front and center in that movie. So you know, I need I need some Zemo dance parties. It would be hard to do it without Zemo, I would think, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it does seem like they've set it up with uh, with the Countess, uh, what's her name? Uh, Contessa. Yeah, thank you. With with specifically U.S. agent and uh, Yelena. But either way, July 26, 2024, you guys should be able to squeeze out at least one or two more episodes before then. So exciting, exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <for laughs> sure. Absolutely. We're going to try and hit, yeah, maybe, you know, at least 16 or 17 issues, so. But yeah, let's uh okay then. Let's uh let's talk about uh issue Thunderbolts issue 15, which is our main uh first uh, half of the show segment tonight. And uh Thunderbolts 15 has a cover date of June 1998. Uh it's written by Kurt Busick, uh, penciled by Mark Bagley, uh inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Joe Rosas, letters by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft, and it is edited by Tom Brevoort. And the uh, title of this issue is Wanted, Dead or Alive. And uh, I will read a a summary I wrote up for it. Aboard the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, director G.W. Bridge fills us in on the current state of events in T-Bolt's world and confers with a mysterious individual who has allied with them to take out the T-Bolts. In the Colorado Rockies, Mach 1 and Moonstone are not very, very quiet as they hunt wabbits. <laughs> uh, Moonstone makes fun of Mach 1's squeamishness, and the two return to the T-Bolt's temporary base camp for dinner. The team discuss their options now that they've returned to Earth and ultimately decide to stay together. Moonstone convinces Jolt that they need to illegally obtain false identities to kick off their quest for redemption. Despite the team's fractured morale, they agree to Moonstone's plan. Obtaining temporary lodging thanks to a secret stash of money Abe Jenkins stashed from his days as the Beatle, everyone gets a part-time job to keep themselves afloat, save Moonstone who can't bring herself to do so. In his off time, Atlas tries to find out what happened to Dallas Riordan and hears that she was fired from her job as mayor's assistant and is facing potential legal repercussions. Speaking of Dallas, she's being stitched up as the fall guy for trusting the T-Bolts and decides to move on with her life and leave New York. Meanwhile, Baron Zemo finds Techno taking Moonstone's previous words to, to his cold, cold metallic heart and cloning an organic body for himself. However, he's unwisely chosen the good Baron Zemo's body as a template, with his reasoning being, Well, you're not using this face, are you, Helmy? And Helmy is unamused by this and shoots the empty clone body to death, prompting Techno to wonder if Kevin Costner might be a better choice for a body template. Unbeknownst to the two, another mysterious shadowy figure watches them from the shadows, cloaked in shadowy intent. Back with the T-Bolts, Jolt discovers that Atlas is bailed on them, but before they can properly process this, the T-Bolts are attacked in their new temporary home by a S.H.I.E.L.D. unit complete with mandroids. They engage, and Mach 1 is disturbed by Songbird's new aggressive attitude. 
Moonstone partakes in more mind games with Joel, getting the teenager to unleash her pent-up angst on the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Soon, the T-Bolts retreat to a clearing outside of the town, but realize S.H.I.E.L.D. herded them there. And there, waiting in ambush, are the Thunderbolts' greatest enemies, the Lightning Rods! Wait, who? <laughs> to be continued... So yeah, like like we were saying, like Shag said, I mean, this is a good dumping on point, really. It's I mean, it, it sets up their new like on the run status quo, like on Earth, and like you know they get some momentum like going as to how they're they're going to you know as they uh, continue their quest for redemption, how they're going to go on. But it immediately almost gets like blown up by the end of the issue when they have a a whole new like you know status quo like. It, uh, that's about to take place like as the issue ends but uh i mean i uh, as for me I, I picked this issue off the shelf you know i was still very much into the book like i i think it's a you know a good issue a, a pretty memorable issue and uh i mean i'll go into more detail later but i mean shag yeah this is your you know you, you your first issue <laughs> so like i mean what 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 are your impressions of it? This was legitimately my first one, so as opposed to my confusion last time. So for me, I, I don't know what drove me to pick it up. I don't know. I don't know whether it was I had heard it was a good jumping on point or I just stumbled upon it. But either way, it really is. Because as you said, right in the beginning, you know, you get that setup. You know, GW Bridge, it gives you the whole recap you need to know. They're very meticulous. Busick is about the way he wrote each character. Every character gets a spotlight in this issue. Every character, you get a sense of their personality. They go out of their way to use both their real name and their superhero names. It, it's just a perfect um, you know, introductory issue. You, they always say every issue is somebody's first. Well, this one is really designed to be someone's first. It's almost like season two of the Thunderbolts. It feels like the first episode of season two. And it, it really struck me uh, perfectly. And I stuck with the book all the way till that stupid wrestling crap started. Damn. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm the party pooper because yes. it's like, it, well, no, I'm just, I'm just establishing like context. Cause for me, I think, I think we've got like one or two more issues before I stopped buying Thunderbolt. So just like every, every jumping on point is a good point for people. Like someone, everyone, you know, some people's jumping on points are also some people's, you know, jumping off points, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think I think I was headed in that direction. But I mean, as far as this particular issue goes, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like the cover's really dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. They've got all the targets. You got Jolt and and Moonstone and Atlas and, and they're all being targeted and everything. So, like, there's that. I, I think there's that aspect of maybe what I would have expected from the original finale. Like, like uh, they're finally getting to that point. Whereas, you know, it, now they've bonded on that, you know, on cosmos and in the alien planet and all that kind of stuff. So now they're a little more tighter than they were when they immediately poured it out. But I, I would think that in any situation where you get sort of, I don't know, busted by the Fantastic Four and the Avengers, right? Then immediately you're on the lam, right? And people are after you and they've got this whole dynamic where, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going after them. So that's, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it puts them kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're not, I don't know, in some sense, they're not necessarily 
capable of of directing their own destiny they're 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 reacting to a lot of things and they throw a lot of stuff at the team you know and then they're all you're seeing how they all deal with it i think what you guys are saying about it being good for you know like the the the, the writing of it right everyone has a distinct voice you know everyone uh, has a moment for them to shine um, I, I think for me, probably, you know, again, like, you know, Zemo is one of my favorite characters and there's not a lot dedicated to him, but the two pages he's on are really good. So it's like it's like for me, I think that that lopsidedness in terms of you could tell, right, they're, they're going to focus on this team and this group attempting to be heroes, whereas the the, the shadiest stuff that's going on per se with the core members of the book is is going to be moonstone trying to manipulate jolt right and she she sort of succeeds in this right because mm-hmm. she kind of goads her into you know beating down on some of the shield guys and the mandroids and all that other stuff so you so you you see that that she's got more of an influence than she did before if if that's your um through line character you know like like you've You've kind of got somebody who's been uh, she had her buttons pushed, right? Like mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't like being called the cheerleader. And she 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 takes that out on all the, the shield agents, even though she knows like in her head, she knows that they're all, you know, guys just doing their jobs and stuff like that. Right. But she still kind of is goaded into, you know, to to basically doing uh, a moonstone's bidding and then of course i i kind of laughed at the like secret shadowy figure thing because it's like you know i again you know uber comic nerd but it's like dude i could tell from the arm that it was uh mr immortal or whatever but like it it is it is kind of like there's that aspect that that's like you you do kind of go you you do kind of have like the scooby-doo like moment where you're like oh like they're you know we'll probably get into this more you know with the the next issue but the 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 humorous aspect that they're mad that they sullied their quote-unquote good name you know like so there's (laughs) there's there's that aspect to it too that that you you could see there's some humorous things going on and then i guess you know they're they they are setting up a lot of long-running subplots right with with dallas reed and you know going off on her own and everything like that's gonna play a part later on and stuff like that in addition to kind of just this a plot of them kind of just trying to survive and everything but you know like i said the the voices you know again the writing is excellent right because the voices are very distinct you you, you it's it's not like you could interchange you know i i'll always go to bat for this like no matter how interested i was in the direction of the plot like I, I would always stick up for the fact that each of these characters has a distinct voice and you can't just pawn off the dialogue on different characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I think is always welcome in books like this with a team dynamic that have, you know, all kinds of different characters. And the fact that, again, as someone's first issue, right, that helps you distinguish, right? It's not, they're not just all a bunch of, I don't know, cool looking dudes or cool looking girls. And they're all kind of interchangeable and, and, and you can't distinguish between, you know, any of the characters. It's like, they all have very distinct looks, distinct personalities. And, and so that aids in, in anyone trying to come to this book for the first time. You know, another thing I want to bring up 
touch on that, what you said about the, the excellent writing. One of the things that Busick was doing that a lot of people either didn't do at the time and, and certainly don't do nowadays is he was planning for 20 plus issues. You know, a lot of people, it's like they're writing six issues and they know that's all they're going to get or they're, they're going to wrap it up in six issues. He knew full well that he was planning a plot that could last years and he played the long game. And I, as a reader, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed knowing this wasn't all going to wrap up neatly with a bow, that these subplots are going to continue for a long time. Yeah, that's kind of a lost art, right? Because because mm-hmm. as you say, it, it's it's either catered to the 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 trade paperback kind of format or or like you say maybe those uh creators know they're only going to be on the book for a certain you know a certain length of time so they don't you're you're not getting the the c and d and e subplots that later morph into the a-list storylines and everything so i'm going to break your heart a little bit too you talk about zemo is your favorite aspect because i came in at this point you know for me even though I've read all the issues, you know, Zemo's not that important to the Thunderbolts other than being an antagonist. Like I don't no, like, I don't like Zemo around. Right. Uh, right. I, I, I think that's fair. Like that's perfectly fine. Like, okay. I figured you'd have a fit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, it doesn't like, like again, it like, I, I get that the Thunderbolts morphed into something different than what it started out as. But I think, I, I, I think just to, again, for context, just to clarify, like, this issue is leading the team in a direction that I was that, that I had initial trepidations about. Like like when I first saw the Thunderbolts, I went, who the fuck are these guys? Another group of heroes <laughs> like what? What? Who cares? How boring? Whatever. And then when 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 the twist was kind of spoiled or revealed, I went, oh, that's interesting. Like, now I understand. And then that caused me to kind of seek out the book. Well, now they finally caught up to where my head was at, you know, I don't know, 15 or so odd issues before. And now they are just a bunch of guys playing hero. And, and, you know, maybe the interesting aspect is, you know, the redemption aspect Mm -hmm. or the aspect of can these, can these, disparate individuals who are formerly criminals actually work together as a real team and, and, and have each other's backs. And, and in this, it, it's kind of like that doesn't work out. Right. So it causes all this drama and conflict. Like Atlas can't hang, right? Like he, he takes off, right. He's thinking of himself. He, he kind of spins it in a direction to where he's like, Oh, I, I, you're better off without me. But really I think he's, motivated by selfish reasons like he wants to find out what's going on with dallas he he's kind of ashamed that he it's kind of twofold right like he he feels like he sort of disappointed zemo but i think he also kind of feels like he doesn't belong with the team either so Mm -hmm. he, he sort of removes himself from that dynamic um songbird and and mach one like their honeymoon period is over yeah. So if you were if you were enjoying like the cutesy kind of like, oh, hey, baby, hey, baby, like zap that guy, baby. Oh, you're you're awesome, baby. And all that stuff like that honeymoon period, I think, is done. Right. So this is this is, again, moving in another direction. So if you if you were vicariously, I don't know, shipping those two or in some kind of, you know, uh, uh, in enjoying that relationship, that that's also now taken a turn 
and because they're basically like you know on the lamb right like it, it's it's sort of taken a turn for the worse and and i think the person that benefits most from this dynamic unfortunately is the person who's the worst human being on the team which is moonstone right wow. like so so that's you know again that that's one of those things where it's like that i'm just placing it into context of of maybe people could see from that perspective why maybe it wasn't something i wanted to continue reading mike i feel like we've shut you out of your own show here what do you what do you think buddy <laughs> No, it's fine. I, what do you call it? I, I wanted you guys to have the stage for a while. I, I, I will agree with Derek. I think my favorite scene in this book is the 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 two pages dedicated to Zemo and Techno. And like, yeah, like, I, I mean, I had read, you know, previous to this. So like, I was glad that they were going to continue to be a part of this book. Like, even though, because I, you know, they, I liked them even when they were, you know, part of the team proper. So I was like, oh, good. He's not just going to, like, you know, have them go away for a while and then come back later. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, for, from this point on, they're, you know, fairly constant presence, even if they're not interacting with the T bolts. And, you know, yeah, I love that whole bit where, you know, Techno, obviously Moonstone's like little like mind games with him. And back in issue 12 did have an effect on him mm -hmm. because he's like, hey, yeah, you know, she kind of, she kind of, you know, brought up a good point. Like, I might want to get my rocks off, like, one day. So, like, hey, let me make myself, like, a, you know, an organic body. And then, you know, he makes the very stupid decision to base it off, you know, Zemo's, like, old body and or old face. And, yeah, that, that that's a, you know, that's a friggin' stone-cold cool, like, scene where, you know, Zemo's got the, you know, he looks at the clone body and then he shoots it to death and... Yeah, like me and Derek both have avatars based on that scene. So obviously <laughs> you know, we, we think it was super awesome and whatever. But uh, I was going to I was going to say, I think maybe Techno watched a little too much USA up all night. And all he was watching <laughs> was like Malibu hot summer. That's why he's like, hey, I'm going to make myself Kevin Costner. I'm going to get with all those hot ladies. It's going to be awesome. You know, like that's I think that's where Techno's head is at right now. You know, the the Kevin Costner thing, like, actually comes up as a joke, like, way, way later in the series, like, oh, where wow. they, I, I forgot, um, I forgot what it was, but they go back to Zemo's castle, like, probably, like, 60 issues from now, and, like, they, like a bunch of, like, refugees are living in it, and then, like, the, someone's like, was that Kevin Costner in with the refugees or something? Like, so it's like, <laughs> clearly Techno did make a Kevin Costner, like, clone body or something. That's awesome. And, like, it's, yeah, he's, like, running around, like, you know, hanging around and wherever that is, but... but now, I, yeah. I have a question about Zemo, and maybe this is my faulty memory. I seem to remember at some point, didn't Zemo have a cloned body of Steve Rogers? Or am I getting that mixed up with a Red Skull? You're getting it mixed up with the Red Skull. Okay. That, that right. was that was at the end of the the Captain America, you know, like the U.S. agent type okay. stuff, or or the Captain and John Walker, like like he the the Red Skull was like a senator, and he he did have the clone body of Steve Rogers. So well, yeah. I apologize. Never mind. That no, 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 no. That's what, what I was thinking didn't matter then. But I will say, in that scene after he's killed the clone, it is nice to know that Batman is watching them carefully. Uh, clearly, he stayed after the Marvel DC crossover <laughs> and hung around. Uh, so <laughs> yep, good uh -huh. to know he's there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, folks, it's find like, out. 
we we all know who this is. This is Citizen V because you know, it's Thunderbolts. Yeah. But but the way they show his silhouette, he looks like Batman, and there's a bunch of bats yeah, over his shoulders. It's yeah, like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Obviously, Bagley uh, Bagley was having some fun there. Yeah, yeah there's there's but... some sneaky uh, time dilation going on to hide who this new Citizen V's identity is, like in this issue too. But like I I don't I feel like I shouldn't like s- spoil it yet. But oh, like, okay. It, it, yeah, it's what do you call it? Do you, basically, like it's like Busick sets something up, and then he sets this up, and it's like, oh, you wouldn't make the connection based on how close these scenes are together. But yeah, like it, it's 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 maybe cheaty writing, but it, it works at least. Like it, it it's a good misdirection. But 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 yeah, as as for the rest of the stuff, yeah, like I'm continuing to you know uh, uh, enjoy the team dynamic. Um. Like, I, I think me and Shag, like, we said, like, you know, we both love Mach 1. So it's like, you kind of feel bad for him here where he's like, you know, he desperately wants out of everyone aside from Jolt. He's probably the one who wants this to work like the right. most. So like, he, you know, he's kind of like, oh, hey, what? Do, why don't we like make new superhero identities? And like, we could come up with new names. And he's like geeking out over it where he's like, you know, we could be Task Force 5. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll build this like five combining like Mecca or something. And like they'll never catch on again. And then, you know, you know, Moonstone and uh, Moonstone kind of brings up the logic flaw where it's like, you want to deceive the public again? Like, that's probably not going to go over well if they find out. Like, so, but yeah. And then, uh, like Derek said, you know, his honeymoon period with Songbird is over. So she's, you know, she's going off on a new uh, characterization tract. And uh, so is Atlas. And, uh, yeah, we gotta I mean, say about we gotta say about me, uh, her real quick. Songbird, her best line in the whole thing is she screams "Mimi three sixteen, which is totally like a Stone Cold Steve Austin or I like guess Stone Cold screaming "Mimi" moment that just cracked me up because uh, just the 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 idea of this sweet girl that we've known for all these issues has gone all hardcore wrestler again is hilarious. Yeah, she was she was part of the the Ben Grimm's like. WW whatever it was <laughs> yeah federation i remember it like not not too long from now like when it, like they the t-bolts fight the avengers like in probably like uh i think it's like avengers volume three number 12 like she, she calls the avengers a bunch of jabronis so <laughs> <laughs> awesome What the Mimi is cooking. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, Moonstone and Jolt still doing their, uh, you know, like, I think, like, Shag, like you said, like, last time we talked, that you kind of thought Jolt was, like, kind of a Mary Sue, but, like, I, I, I don't know, like, I think she's, like, you know, Moonstone's still, like, pretty effectively playing her, so, I mean, oh, yeah, I think she, yeah. yeah, she's not, like, uh, and uh, I, I think it's also where like you know after uh when they're trying to get away moonstone's kind of like hey jolt like let's go and jolt's like oh yeah right like that's what i wanted to do in the first place is leave like you know and, and this is like right after she's beaten the snot out of a bunch of shield agents like so i think well, that's when, pretty funny when i said that last time i had shotgunned and read 14 issues of thunderbolts back to back and I felt like in the first like 12 stories, it really did seem like she was a Mary Sue. But now it really does seem like her role has changed. She seems like she is more of a Kitty Pride at this point. And she's also, you know, being puppeteered by Moonstone without a doubt. Um, Moonstone, to me, is, is the most fascinating character in this issue. I just found her interesting. Now, 
I will freely admit that even though she's not my favorite character, I can't take her eyes off me when Bagley's drawing her. There's just something so hot, sexy, and just bitchy. I just I love the whole package there, right? But the way she manipulates Jolt is is really fascinating. And then if you start thinking about sort of the psychology of where the, all the characters are, and you just look at the way music has crafted this issue, and again, as somebody who was reading it for the first time, I don't know whether I was picking up on it or not, but I did this time. A lot of it's in the names, right? Because, you know, Jolt is Jolt, right? Once in a while, they call her Haley, but she's pretty much Jolt. Atlas is pretty much Atlas. They'll call him Eric once in a while. They never call him Goliath, ever. Uh, Mach 1 is actually barely ever called Mach 1. He's almost Abe the whole time. Not, not Mach 1 very often and, and, almost, and never Beetle. Songbird is same thing. She's called Melissa. So it's like they're humanizing certain characters. Like Mach 1 and Songbird are being humanized by using their real names, Abe and Melissa. Atlas, is there? It, it, there's something about him, keeping him in the hero identity by calling Atlas the same with Jolt. Moonstone's the most interesting one, though, because she has completely abandoned the meteorite name. Whereas Atlas, Mach 1, and Songbird are still using their hero name, Meteorite's gone. But she's still wearing a variant of that costume. And they almost never call her Carla either. She's almost always Moonstone. And it just says a lot about her personality that, you know, Moonstone's the real her. You know, not the Meteorite, not the Carla, but Moonstone, the evil manipulator, is who she really is. And I think that says a lot about the character. And I just found her fascinating to uh, read and uh, look at in this issue. I think uh, Jolt's outrage when she says cheerleader, cheerleader is like right. <laughs> it's 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 right up there with uh, Colossus in uh, Secret Wars, where he's like chippy, chippy, like when he's all mad, at, like Johnny Storm for calling Saji a uh, uh, whatever, like just a chippy. Oh, right, 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 right. So, like they're they're both uh, outraged, equal equal outrage uh, from from various parties. Like Moonstone isn't really my favorite character either, but she does have like that kind of like almost like Emma Frost appeal. Like mm. she's like, you know, yeah. she's kind of an yeah. evil bitch, but she's like really, you know, appealing because right, because right. she's so, you know, cold and like uh, rounded, let's say. <laughs> well, it, it's fun to watch the bitchy characters. It is, you know, whether it's a guy or a girl, whoever the characters who are just vicious and mean when it's written well it's it's hard not to pay attention to yeah and so and let me ask you guys this um i had a note about this like what what is your history with the west the west i was gonna say west coast avengers you know the the light i'll say the lightning rods because i think this is the first issue i ever encountered them because like i you know i I didn't know who they were like when i first read this issue and I, i don't think i realized like who they were until i like went through a read through of West Coast Avengers, and I was uh, like, "Oh, this is where these guys like kind of come from." And yeah, like, I mean, you know, I was, I was that era of West Coast Avengers. You know, all the stuff that Byrne did, especially, was was must reading material for me. So I, I, I guess that's why I'm all you know snooty comic nerd. Where I was like, I recognize that arm ten miles away. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's that's why I was like an asshole about that because it was like I read you know the. Those to me seem to be books that like, you know, I, I don't know if everybody read it, but it was like it, it was burn on on the Avengers. And it was like to me that was always, you know, super duper important. And so w- w- I think they they show up in like issue 46, if I'm not mistaken, and they're on the cover. And and I mean, you know, it's it's that that kind of misdirect or twist. Right. It, it seems like it's this super serious like it's it's a new team and then you find out like 
they're all kind of goofballs and stuff, right? And then, and then, I mean, you know, again, you you've got the the SWAT miniseries that we talked about so much. You know, there's there's that that's like to me something that's super memorable as well. So they, it, it seems like you know, even though they they could be just viewed as a collection of morts or or dweebs or whatever you want to call them, I mean, it's it, it's like that the substitute legion or something, you know, it's like they, they definitely made a name for themselves one way or the other. I mean, even, even the fact that, that we've got the, the host of the JLI Bwahaha podcast. I mean, there's, there, there is, you know, on, on the show as a guest, like there, there is, there is a tinge of, you know, it's like, you know, especially with like the, the slot miniseries and, and, and the direction that they've played some of these characters, right? Like it's, they definitely have that tinge to them. And I think people have found a lot of joy or enjoyment in those characters when they're when they're played from that angle, as opposed to, you know, it's like to be perfectly honest. I mean, you're not you're not supposed to take these characters seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're supposed to you're supposed to kind of laugh at them and have fun and 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 kind of your enjoyment comes out of, I don't know, guffawing about what whatever hijinks they happen to get involved in. They're like the bad news bears. You know, they're like they're, they're underdogs that aren't supposed to win, but you want to cheer for them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I know now, you know, a decent amount about them. I certainly know the amount of love and respect the fans have for them. I don't know that I've ever read any of their own sort of solo adventures. I've just seen them appear in other comics. At this point, I was sort of like you, though, Mike. I... I knew of their existence, at least, simply because I knew they existed from seeing them on comic covers. I thought they were basically a punchline, though, like just a like a sitcom, like an Urkel kind of thing, you know? Uh, so I, I thought they were just a bit of a joke, so I didn't know that there was anything worth rooting for there. So when I saw them here, I, I, I'm sure when I saw Lightning Rods, I'm like, what the what? You know, uh, which I guess they don't even explain until next issue. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with them. But now I, I, I hadn't thought about the connection to JLI. But that's an interesting one, Derek. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I, I mean, like I said, not, not full blown, but, but uh, you know, there, there's certainly aspects where I'm sure that that's part of the enjoyment that people got out of them. There's, there's ways that people have written them where it's kind of clever and and kind of mm-hmm. humorous and everything like that. So, I mean, that's and 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 to me, th- those are the things that I think of. Like if you if you say to me, oh, well, who are the Great Lakes Avengers or the Lightning Rods or whatever, right? I think of their introduction with John Byrne and West Coast Avengers 46. And then I think of that, you know, the 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 slot thing, you know, what is it? The Great Lakes Avengers disassembled or whatever. Like, and that's <laughs> that's that's like an incredible I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, you know, putting aside, you know, anything else like 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 there there are certain things that that have been written where I, I'm like, oh, this is this is good. You know, like if you if you've never read this, you should check it out. And that's something where I was like, you know, oh, that's a you know, that's a super fun book. It's it's funny. It's serious. It's you know, it's, it kind of plays the you know, plays the gambit with with all that stuff. So I wonder if. And I wonder, I mean, I'm sure Busick plans this super far in advance, but like it's, it, if it's a coincidence that the Great Lakes Avengers are another team that Hawkeye sort of directed at one mm. point and then oh, is planting a seed wow. that like Hawkeye yeah, yeah. is going to 
direct the Thunderbolts as well, like, you know, within a few issues, basically. So, like, I, I that's a weird, like, backwards, like, loop-de-loop connection, but... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite possible, no, no. quite possible. And, and, I mean, I guess it just speaks to, to, you know, I mean, sometimes people try to play down Hawkeye, right? Like, what's this guy with a bunch of arrows going to do, and yada, yada, yada. But th- th- this is a, a nice way to point out, like, look at the influence that that Clint Barton has had on like so many, uh, you know, superheroes in the, the Marvel universe, like without his guidance, like a lot of these people, you know, would, you know, they, they would be rudderless or directionless and stuff. So like, that's, uh, I, I think re- regardless of whether it was planned, it's, it, it's, it's something where at least you can point to and say, look, here's some, here's some cred for your boy. You know what I mean? Like, like look at, Look at the teams he shepherded like you you shouldn't just sweep all that continuity or that experience under the rug. You should actually play it up and, and kind of say, you know, you, you know, like like they did in the Marvel versus Capcom game. You know, I make any team look good, you know, like that, that whole thing. Well, they did a little bit of that with the MCU. Now, I, I want to say real quick, Hawkeye, like my love for the character I, I was familiar with him and was fine with him but my love for the character really came from thunderbolts like mm-hmm. learning to love him as a character because i had tried west coast avengers but i didn't stick with it long enough at that time so here is where i fell in love but you know if you think about the mcu he's the one that forced scarlet witch to you know uh own, to grow up in avengers 2 he inspired her you know he's inspired kate bishop so there is a little bit of that of him inspiring yeah. other yeah. people to do to be their best version of themselves yeah, Black Widow too. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's yeah. one, like you know, I've you know I've, the MCU kind of underplays like Hawkeye. I feel like, and I I always feel bad that I feel like all his classic traits were like stolen by other characters in the MCU. So like they <laughs> all they have left is like oh he's like an experienced guy like you know who who gets by with the bow and arrow and. You know, they can't, they, yeah, he's not the, you know, people are always like, you know, shocked when I'm kind of like, dude, like back in the day, like Hawkeye was like the Wolverine of the team, basically. I mean, he was, he was the dude who was like in Captain America's face, like disobeying orders, taking on guys that were way above his like weight class and beating them just with his, you know, sheer gumption and skill. So, I mean. But nowadays it's just like all cars that stupid lame Avenger who's useless and shoots arrows. And, you know, no, dude, I think that's I think that's uh that's on uh, Feige and all those guys heads, not not on Hawkeye. Like so, like you know, they, they were the ones who were like, you know, we can't sell this purple guy, this guy in a purple costume in a movie. So we got to use the stupid ultimate Hawkeye or whatever, the boring one. So. Oh, whatever. That's a that's a whole another tangent, and I'm sure we'll get on it more once you know Hawkeye actually appears in this series again. So, did I tell you that issue with Hawkeye? That was the first uh, Thunderbolts I ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, get your little notebook out. I'm 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 I'm, I'm scribbling it out as we speak. <laughs> the futurist, gentlemen. The futurist is here. He sees all. He knows what's best for you, whether you like it or not. Okay. So, I, the, I, can I say something about the cover? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, go I'm going to say something about the cover. Let me fix that. Um, I love it. I absolutely love this cover. And then maybe this is part of what attracted me. The crosshairs, you know, mm-hmm. iconography looks great. You know that they're in danger. You see the cops in the background. You know that someone's got a beat on them with the crosshairs. Uh, Atlas's costume 
it just looks so badass. Like his costume is so stinking cool. Like I don't know why you would ever take him out of that costume. It just looks awesome. Uh, and uh, the 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 Marvel's Most Wanted. Now I know that had been on there for a few issues, but that's part of what attracted me as well was just the Marvel's Most Wanted. I thought that was really fascinating that these guys were, you know, everyone's looking for them, and clearly here the police are. So I just found it to be, a even now, uh, a very compelling uh, cover. And, of course, Bagley's amazing with his layout, so it's, it looks beautiful. Uh, the, the, another scene I kind of like is when, you know, Moonstone's, like, pitching the whole, like, oh, we got to, you know get the we we got to get our false identities in order and all that and shit and jolts like all wide-eyed and naive about it where she's like oh wow it's really that easy and then atlas has that aside where he's like oh like this is the first time like she's seen us do like crook stuff like basically so like it's like i don't know that's a good mo it's like oh this is like she's gonna lose her innocence now like she's you know she's in our world instead of us being in her world basically so i thought that was a really good character moment for like eric well and they they set her up too with then moonstone asking her you know playing her by saying hey is it okay if we commit this crime so that we could be better and it's like yeah it's just interesting how it how Haley's having to cope with the fact that they're criminals absolutely so gw bridge right so he's in this thing and gw bridge is in this thing so i what did you guys think of him i thought he was pretty snarky and funny yeah i um you know, I thought maybe I'd go into this more in the second half, but but we can we can talk about this a little bit is, you know, I, I obviously he first appeared in X-Force. Right. And so he had this kind of outlandish costume with a bunch of tree trunk logs and all the kind of standard <laughs> Rob Liefeld paraphernalia and everything. And and I think I mean, I, I guess it depends on how you how you came to it. Right. To some people, all that stuff was like cool as hell. And 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 some of it was cool as hell to me. Like, I've, I've never apologized. Right. There were certain things that I, I, I liked reading and, and thought was cool as hell. But I have to admit certain things like gw bridge's original outfit you kind of just looked at it and kind of went what the what the hell is this like what purpose does it serve like i i get that he's a mercenary and you know used to run with cable and 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 you know has a history with domino and the six pack was their team that they all kind of you know uh, ran together with and there was a cool little flashback that uh mike bignola drew you know back in i think it was like x-force 8 or something that went into some of their their back history and everything like that but i guess i never i i think just putting him in a traditional shield outfit like uh you know he, he's gone through a couple image changes over the years and and this particular image change like I know it's going to be funny to say, but to me, like just seeing him in a standard shield uniform, like increased my respect for him. Like that, that instead of him, you know, wearing this red and orange and green, you know, these colors that didn't, you know, that weren't conducive to any kind of color scheme and, 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 and just seeing him as kind of like a, an old buddy of cables, just a mercenary, like no nobody with any ties to anything. Whereas seeing him kind of as like an officer and and seeing him in the kind of typical shield regalia, like I I think that made me change my tone or my appreciation for that specific character. Like I I, I think he was kind of just in the background for me during most of x-force and and i think this was something where there was a turn for me that i kind of started taking him a bit more seriously than i had in the past 
I, I agree. The uniform does a lot for him. Like I just Googled his original outfit. I had forgotten how ridiculous that thing yeah. looked. It, yeah. all, the Christmas colors, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. It just, it's so ridiculous. He, I mean, he's, he's a giant, scary Keebler elf or some shit, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just really weird. Right. Like, so much like Deadpool himself, like the first time I ever encountered GW bridge was as in a toy biz action mm. figure. Uh, okay. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy with the red? Yeah. The red shirt and the ridiculous guns and whatever. And like, I think, you know, again, me and my friend not knowing anything about X-Force or whatever, we only knew like the, you know, X-Men animated show probably at that point. We probably just threw GW Bridge in with like, you know, a bunch of like grunts that the X-Men could kick the asses of. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I I came to him in the X-Force comic and I remember not being terribly impressed. Um, was, Was he a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent back then or just a mercenary? I don't uh, he, I think maybe, uh, you know, I might be getting the histories all mixed up. Like, I, I think he had history as shielded law enforcement and everything. But again, him wearing the outfit he was wearing, it seemed like he, you know, again, the six pack was not shield associated. Right? right. Like, so, so there was, there was all that aspect where you're kind of like, oh, well, he, like, I'm, I'm trying to remember if, if the shield connection came up later when like, uh, Greg Capullo started uh, hmm. doing the art on X-Force, but I, I, you know, I, I haven't done a big read through and I don't, you know, remember it off the top of my head, but I mean, this seemed to me to be the first moment where it's like, dude, he's wearing the shield outfit. He looks, he looks respectable, you know? And you're like, Oh, Hey, I could take this guy seriously. Now he seems like it's that thing of, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, you know, I don't know, Clay Quartermain or Nick Fury or, Dum Dum Duggan or whoever, right? But you you put that uniform on some guys and they become the, you know, w- w- you know, it's like Nick Fury hunting down Godzilla, you know, <laughs> the the old Marvel comics. It's like it's like it, it gives him that um, the Jack McGee to hunt down the the Thunderbolts, Incredible Hulk or whatever. It it all of a sudden puts puts him on like a, a playing field. And and it, it was probably one of those things that was cool because it was probably a character like nobody. You know, Busick probably was like, hey, is anybody using this right now? Does anybody care if I, like, make this guy, like, you know, my, you know, uh, my Ahab to hunt the white whale that is the Thunderbolts? And and they're like, no, man, go ahead. They, like, do what you want. And and, and to me, it, it, again, I, I think that turned out for the better for that, you know, for GW Bridge, right? Because it's like, come on, man. Dude's name is George Washington Bridge. Come on. Like, what? <laughs> but anyway, you know. I, I liked him in this, so I, I don't know whether it's the uniform or what, because I, I, maybe my memory has conflated all the old stories with these, but my memory was G.W. Bridge was the guy you got when you couldn't get Nick Fury in your comic. That that was my memory going right, into this right, was right, right. you couldn't get Nick Fury because, I don't know, he's been disavowed or he's doing his own story. Okay, who do we got? Okay, let's use J.W. Bridge. And that was my memory of the character. And maybe that did come from this era. I'm not sure. But I, I liked him as a, you know, the boss stand in kind of character. I think it's good that you had a person of color uh, in that role. That that was good to show him an authority. And here yeah. he does. I, I don't think I'd want to be his employee. He seems like a bit of an ass, but he's also <laughs> pretty badass. You know, so at this point, I'm loving what I'm seeing in here uh, and trying to forget the X-Force days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I mean, now that you mention it, it kind of like this. This predates like Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like maybe not that I, I think Mark Millar like took any inspiration from this, but it's like you know one of those things where he's like, "Here's a totally original idea." Like, uh, except no, like 
I mean, you kind of you got this badass black dude as the head of Shield, like bef- way before that. Yeah, I hadn't considered it, but maybe that's um, maybe that's an excuse for uh, another one of his kind of uh, character redesigns in our historical segment too. You know? Yeah, could be because there's definitely a redesign. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you guys want to yeah move on to the historical yeah. segment? Yeah. So we all agree. Everything. We all agree that Thunderbolts fifteen is absolutely amazing. Rip out the Zemo pages, and it's a wonderful <laughs> comic. That's that's what I heard. Everybody, do not rip out my pages. <laughs> Jack's reading it, and he's like, "Oh, I I thought I'd just you know rip out the Zemo pages." And Zemo gives him that look, and then like the next page is like <laughs> Zemo shooting Shag to death. <laughs> Zemo can jump. Anyway, it's like, and then like it's like Zemo's like standing there with the smoking pistol and Derek's all like, maybe we can get Kevin Costner to be on the next episode of Justice Not Entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Mike is off on a tangent writing his own comic now. I mean, he is he has gone full bore on this thing. <laughs> Dude, I, I bet you uh, Kevin Costner would tell us the correct first issue of uh, his first Thunderbolts comic. <laughs> <laughs> Well spoken, sir. Well, well played. All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's uh, take a break for a commercial and then we'll be right back with our historical segment. Justice League International, Bwahaha Podcast, a monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We started with the very first issue, and our coverage goes all the way through breakdowns. We're going issue by issue in release order, tackling two comics per episode, both a Justice League America issue and a Justice League Europe issue. Now, along the way, we're also taking time out for special episodes covering the quarterly book, interviews with various comic book creators, discussing the plethora of spin-off series, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and more. And when we're all done, we'll wrap up our coverage by looking at the 2003 and 2005 stories formerly known as the Justice League, and I can't believe it's not the Justice League. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Batman. Martian Manhunter. Captain Atom. Fire. Ice. Rocket Red. The Flash. The Elongated Man. Maxwell Lord. Elrond. Power Girl. Renard de Rousse. I mean, Crimson Fox. Guy Gardner. Metamorpho. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Hey, everyone. We're back. Uh, and, uh, you know, we hope you enjoyed that commercial that may or may not be related to our special guest tonight. Damn well uh, better. <laughs> yeah. No, let's promote someone else's show. <laughs> Let's promote Kevin Costner's podcast. <laughs> Coming soon, sure? the GW Bridge podcast. The GW uh, Bridge podcast. <laughs> Hosted by Kevin Costner. There insert, it is. Insert there. trailer of Malibu Hot Summer here. <laughs> Fandango, man. If we're going to talk Kevin Costner, we're talking Fandango, damn it. Uh, All right, well, D- Derek, uh, why don't why don't you, you know, give the info on our historical uh, supplementary, you know, segment tonight? Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, if Justin were here, he'd he'd hang me up by uh, a noose because I'm pulling a Tony on you guys. Uh, it's not it's not really, you know, again, kind of kind of like um, Lando, you know, it's not my fault um, because. <laughs> 
because this is written in the era where everything was written for the trade. And rather than make these poor guys read all six issues of this storyline, which is uh, a jigsaw storyline in the Punisher War Journal Volume 2, I wanted to pick an issue that focused specifically on GW Bridge and specifically the the kind of redesign he undergoes in this series. And just for some some backstory or some context, the War Journal 2 came out in 2007 and the volume two spun out of Civil War that had just gone through its miniseries and what have you. And this this was for a long time. Punisher was kind of isolated. He was off in his own little Marvel Max universe and didn't interact with very many Marvel characters other than, you know, guys like Barracuda, you know, some of his own villains. But he wasn't going after the Rhino or Stiltman or what have you. And this series changed all that. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of the trajectory of the the Mike Grell Green Arrow ongoing, how mm. Green Arrow was kind of isolated. He was off on his own with Seattle. He just shot, you know, bows and arrows. He wasn't encountering a bunch of supervillains. And then somewhere, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact issue numbers, but I think somewhere around the 70s, like Jim Aparo came back on the book and it was it was all kind of like Green Arrow's now back in the DC universe and he's fighting Shrapnel and Deathstroke the Terminator and all these different guys that he ends up encountering until they blew a, blew him up in a hundred and they do Connor Hawk and all that other stuff. So the, the, the connection to that is just that, you know, again, the Punisher was kind of back in the mainstream Marvel universe. He, you know, encountered Captain America in Civil War and and he's he's basically running havoc in the Marvel universe and this time taking it out on supervillains. And um, I'll just go into like a synopsis, but just suffice it to say GW bridge was reintroduced in the very first issue of that series. And again, just like he is used in the Thunderbolts issue as sort of a, you know, Jack McGee to the Thunderbolts, incredible Hulk here. He is the Jack McGee, to the Punisher, basically. Um, Punisher War Journal, issue number 22. Uh, the cover date was October 2008. The on-sale date was August 6, 2008. The cover price was a whopping $2.99. Uh, the editor was Axel Alonzo. The writer was Matt Fraction. Artist was Howard Chaikin. Letterer, Joe Carmanga. Colorist, Edgar Delgado. Stuart Clark former techno-villain Rampage, turned ally to the Punisher, puts plans in motion to rescue Frank Castle, who is now a prisoner in the custody of GW Bridge and S.H.I.E.L.D. While Bridge rides in the back of the paddy wagon with Castle, Lynn Michaels, a.k.a. Lady Punisher, spoilers, shoots Clark in the back. Meanwhile, Bridge goads Frank by bringing up his dead wife, Maria, but ultimately tries to relate to him as a fellow soldier. However, a rocket hits the convoy, toppling over the armored car with Bridge and Castle inside. Frank knows this is his old enemy, Billy Russo, a.k.a. Jigsaw. Additionally, Jigsaw has hired backup, way outside of Frank's weight class, the Wrecking Crew, the Wrecker, Thunderball, Piledriver, and Bulldozer. Meanwhile, Domino, Silver Sable, and Contessa Valentina watch on from the second armored car and call into S.H.I.E.L.D. for back. 
Thunderbolt is sent after the ladies, while the other wreckers go after the truck Frank is inside. Not wanting to give up his prisoner, Bridge handcuffs himself to Frank before the shit is just about to hit the fan. And again, this is part five of a six-part story. Um, so sorry about that. But the, again, the main reason why I wanted to bring it up is GW Bridge is kind of going into some of his backstory in this and tries to relate to Frank Castle. Um, it's interesting, too, because he tells him a story about Vietnam. And I think at this point in 2008, GW Bridge is played up as a very, very old man. And it fits that this would be present day. But it, 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 it again, it was one of these things where at this point, I think when Frank Castle was reintroduced into the Marvel Universe, they were kind of amorphously kind of like Tony Stark or whatever. You know, his war kept shifting upwards mm-hmm. or or they they just didn't acknowledge exactly what war it was. Whereas, you know, for the longest time, I mean, for me, I, I, I would just say for myself, the Punisher is a Vietnam vet over and over and over again. It doesn't really matter to me like he kind of needs to be. But that's just my personal hang up. But in this era, I think it, it was much more ambiguous. So I found it interesting that had this been written in 1970, even though GW bridge didn't exist back then, he would have been relating to him as a fellow Vietnam vet. But technically in this, he's probably just a Vietnam vet talking to, I don't know, a desert storm vet or, or an Afghanistan vet or what have you. Right. So there, you know, not that there's points for one or the other, or that one's better than the other or worse than the other. It's, it's more just those are two completely different, conflicts relatively and so i i just found that interesting as opposed to it something that it may have been like the same exact conflict i guess for his redesign i guess i guess we have to talk about it right and 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 it's i mean essentially like he's much older um he is not a physically fit he, he, he had he had white hair before so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's got white hair. He's still, like uh, Shag said, he's still uh, African-American, right? Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's much older. He's much more portly. Um, and and essentially, like, the, the way I sort of think of it as, and, and, and there's a lot of elements in this, and I don't know the, the genesis of what what came first. I mean, presumably... All the the Jack Ryan novels came long before this arc that Matt Fraction wrote. But I tend to think of him as the James Earl Jones character in all the Jack Ryan movies in this. Mm. Like, that's kind of how I view him. Right. He's he's James Greer, you know, kind of like, you know, it's like he he was a badass back in the day. But now he's he's a lot more older and 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 kind of still smarts off and everything. But, you know, so so you can see like he he was. You know, he he had his history. He fought his wars. He he still was, you know, in, in the the first issue of this, he's not even quite really shield. He's more of a, you know, a, a cop or something like that. Like, I think he was working for the FBI or the CIA or something like that. So he's often in a suit in, in the first couple arcs. And then by the time you get to this, it's almost laughably ridiculous because they put him back in the shield kind of spandex but as opposed to being kind of chris hemsworth looking you know six-pack abs guy that's pointing to people and directing them to go get the thunderbolts you know he's kind of uh 
chubby top, but skinny legged bottom. Sam, Sam, Sam Kinison in spandex. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I know I know you guys said you don't you don't have too much to say about this. I mean, to, to me, I guess it was just this. It's interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I went back and reread this, if it would still hold up for me. But for whatever reason, you know, I think I think, you know, partly because it was the fascination of the Punisher being uh, re infused into the Marvel Universe. There was some attraction to this series for me. And I think also I, I, I did find, I mean, I know, I know it's a, uh, a shock to the system to see the, the, the character, whether it's the Rob Liefeld version or, or this version from Thunderbolts and to see this kind of sort of washed up in his later years version, like a, a version that's, that's past his prime, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Like to see that version of bridge that's past his prime. But I, I sort of found it fascinating because they, 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 I guess there's a lot of elements of different things that I see to it. Kind of the, the Danny Glover and lethal weapon. Like I'm too old for this shit type mm-hmm, character. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of that stuff that seemed to be infused into, into that reinterpretation shall we say of, of GW bridge. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I found it fascinating and I thought it was something that was worth, you know, just sharing as far as that goes. Cause I, I, I assume you guys have never, neither of you guys have ever read this before or even seen this version of bridge. No, certainly not. Um, I, I want to address that though. So I, I do have some positive stuff to say about it and you gotta, you gotta go with me for a second on this though. You know, part of the problem with superhero comic books is, after the character's introduced, they're always trapped in the second act, right? Because it's an ongoing publication. You always need the next issue next month. So you never get to act three in a superhero comic. That's why Spider-Man has been going for 50 years and it still looks like he's 22 years old or whatever, right? And being that this story is trapped in the second act, it loses some of the the where what I'm about to say. If this had been act three, I think this is incredibly powerfully written. Because GW Bridge gets in Frank's face and mm-hmm. says, who are you killing for anymore? Your family is gone. You have avenged them. You killed everyone who killed them. You killed their bosses. You then killed those bosses' bosses. And you killed those bosses' bosses' bosses. You've wiped out everyone. There is nobody left for you to let, to avenge against, and yet you're still killing. You have become nothing but a human gun. And it's really powerful. And if this was... Frank's act three, let's say, you know, they were going to close out the Punisher story. This is a great speech to sort of cause Frank to rethink his life, you know, and rethink what he's going to do and, or maybe end his own life or whatever. And that would have been great. But being that it's again, stuck in act two, it unfortunately loses a little bit of that punch, but it's a great, it's a really great written, written confrontation. I thought that was really, really good. It, it is interesting because I, I think what that speech ends up doing is solidifying his act two status by the end of it, you know, because because what, what ends up happening is is he is, you know, he, he does still give himself up to the law at the at the very end of this. Right. But but then you have this sequence of him like doing push ups in the jail cell and kind of going, bro was right. I, I can't even remember Maria's face. Like I've lost clarity. I'm going to keep doing this until I can see her face and remember why I was doing it in the first place. So it's almost like it, 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 even though like your thought on it is it would be a third act and he would, he would either end his career or, 
or sacrifice himself or, or kill himself or, you know, whatever direction you thought it was going in, it, it, it actually, you know, again, the, the cyclical nature of comic books, as you describe being stuck in those acts, like it actually him getting that stern talking to was almost like, oh, yeah, you're right. But I'm going to go back to the basics. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, going to yeah. remember why I was doing this in the first place and, and, and keep doing it, you know, like, so, uh, so I, the, I found that interesting. Yeah. It's the reaffirmation story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's, you know, to me, I mean, there, there's, there's some fun to me seeing, you know, I, I love silver sable. She doesn't get a lot to do in this story, but it still is fun seeing her paired up with Domino and, and the Contessa, right? Like they're all kind of, you know, presumably hot spy babes, right? <laughs> like that's that's basically what they are. And, and it works because Bridge has that history with Domino for sure from X-Force. But then you could also sort of, you know, ascribe some kind of history with the Contessa because she's S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And then you'd figure, oh, well, they, they you know, she, he would have had to have crossed paths with, with Silver Sable at certain points. And he probably did, especially in the nineties where everybody was guest starring in everybody's book. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure they, they must've, if, even if it wasn't on panel, they must've ran into each other at some point. And then, and then this sort of fits that series mandate with having, you know, in addition to having jigsaw, you know, you've got the freaking wrecking crew in it, you know, and, and uh, I guess, you know, spoilers for context, but you know, the rhino, who, who gets uh, beat up by the Punisher, I think, in, in the early issues when I said this GW Bridge redesign first goes down. He does Rhino a favor or a solid or something, doesn't kill him, and, and then it's like he owes him one. And so the, um, the the guy who gets shot in the first couple pages, like he he's actually calling somebody for help, and you mm. find out that that was the Rhino. So the Rhino shows up and helps him, like, beat up the wrecking crew and, and kind of, you know, you know, contribute to the the whole finale of it. And I guess if you don't know who Stuart Clark is, there's probably a good reason for that. Um, but he was a ridiculous looking bad guy in the champions. Um, nice. And so he, he first appeared in the champions. Um, and Talking so the, it, the classic seventies version. Yes. The okay. classic seventies version. Nice. So like he, he basically like he, he, he had this like, uh, I don't know. It wasn't like an Iron Man armor, but he he was like a tech guy who made like this outfit or whatever and stuff like that. So he's just got this kind of goofy looking, you know, exoskeleton suit, basically. And then and then, you know, of course, he turned to crime and and he gets called Rampage and he fights the champions and then doesn't succeed in blowing himself up. Right. Like so. And then, you know, of course, he's appeared a couple times after that to get beat up by like Spider-Man and other guys or whatever. Then then you've got this arc with the Punisher, where, again, it, it probably goes to the notion of what Mike is talking about, you know, people being embarrassed by you know, costume shame or embarrassed by these kind of goofy 70s villains. So they still use them. It's supposed to be like this. Hey, you know, remember me. Remember, remember, like we care about history. We're still using these characters. But he is, uh, for all intents and purposes, in civilian clothes the whole time. He, He it's just a reference to the name. And it's like, oh, I don't wear that stupid outfit anymore, but I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm gonna help punisher basically because the idea was that was his um techno um cue i guess at this point in the series so it's you, like you because call him the new micro 
Yeah, 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 microchip. But but like microchip was kind of like the guy in the chair. Like mm-hmm. he was actually like Q in that if you went up against the rhino or he went up against all these crazy supervillains that were outside of his pay grade, like it's like, oh, here, Frank, here's a, you know, here's a rhino gun. You know, here's <laughs> a here, here's a, you know, an electricity thing that's going to take out, you know, the vultures flight pack or you know like those kind of things where he instead of it just being you know a war on the mob or the magia or the mafia or whatever right it was it was he was going after these super villains and so he was getting supplied with sort of like high tech um stuff to 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 you know facilitate all that and to make it quote unquote you know believable right it's like that kind of batman begins thing of you know that that was his lucius fox giving him all the high grade tech and and supposedly making the fact that the punisher gets uh you know punched in the gut but it's like oh no cuz uh clark gave me this uh you know polyethylene ester whatever you know mabob kevlar that that uh, you know absorbs rhino punches like i'm fine you know like that that kind of shit so so mike we haven't given you a chance to say a word <laughs> what do you think of this issue uh, i don't like i said i don't have a huge amount to say like i've never been a huge fan of howard shaken's art so like i mean once i saw it was that i was like oh like i don't know he's kind of like uh like steve dylan was where like I, I feel like you know that they might be suited to like a more down to earth i guess like comic book story like maybe not like superhero stuff like i mean i guess the punisher kind of fits that but as derek is saying like this punisher series is trying to get him back into the marvel universe and fighting super villains and stuff so like i i don't know like you know if that exactly works like right yeah, and like when I, I was like when I first opened this book, I was like, why the hell did Derek want us to read this? And I was like, wait, that's GW Bridge? Like and I was like, well, there's the, I was like I was like, oh, there's the tie-in. And that's, then yeah, that's when, yeah, that's exactly why. I was like, holy crap, dude. Like what happened to you? Like, you know, like but uh <laughs> Too many, too many Twinkies, man. Too many Yeah, Twinkies. I guess so. But uh but yeah, I did like Chag said, I did like that scene where he kind of talks to Frank and even though I feel like scenes where someone tries to like deconstruct the punisher or like i've read a lot of them i feel like where someone says like yeah. oh frank you're a you're a one-dimensional like you know nobody and no one likes you like go away like or whatever <laughs> even though like you know it's like the, his book basically right, right. Or, you know and it's like no we we don't want you the reader to go away we just want you know the, the punisher to go away but, but I, I don't know like uh I'm, 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 get, I'm glad you guys gravitated towards that sequence because that's I mean, essentially, that's all I really needed you to read. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's the main reason why I picked this and why I wasn't like, oh, you have to read all all six issues of this trade paperback or what. You know what I mean? It's like that's not that's not what was important. I just wanted to sort of give you a taste. And th- this seemed to be the best isolated example of the direction they went in in this series with GW Bridge. So I just wanted to expose you guys to that. That's all. So I got a couple more points and I'll wrap it up. So um, one is this had a distinct lack of sexy silver sable panels, but we'll let that pass. Um, That's a real, you know, that's a, that's a must have anytime you put several sable in a comic, but about shaken, I'm not the world's biggest shaken fan either, especially for stuff like the 1970 stuff's pretty great. 1980 stuff's pretty good. But after that, he kind of got really uh, went, went on his own 
style, you know, very much so. Um, so it, it really is not my favorite. So I will say uh, Chaikin is famous for, of course, drawing people based on porn stars. So, you know, which porn star is GW Bridge based on then? You got to wonder. Um, and, and I don't actually want to know. But uh, <laughs> I was like, never mind. <laughs> Sadly, Derek had an answer. Um, yes. But you did hint at something in the last segment, which I think you might want to close it with here, is about you thought perhaps some of the changes to GW Bridge were because of the casting of Samuel L. Jackson as uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it didn't it didn't really occur to me before we we started talking about this. But you know, Mike brought up that that you know the the, the notion that hey, here you had the you know GW Bridge being the the head honcho of Shield in the pages of Thunderbolts, right? And and that that was years before Samuel Jackson in the MCU. But even even when you're talking about like Ultimates comics, right? Like what what was that? You know, like like 2000. I'm trying to remember 2001. Like like you know like that that was around the point where Ultimate Spider-Man, what 2001, 2002, like around that point, something when, like when, that. when all those books were coming out, and and eventually, like when you know uh, who knows with Ultimates being delayed for a billion years and all that other stuff, right? You you had those two Ultimate series, which is where that sort of Samuel Jackson version of Nick Fury really was you know came into its own was was heavily promoted and was in all the you know the magazines and everything at the time and that was i'd say you know at at bare minimum like maybe three years before this book came out so so it may maybe that was something where somebody said hey we want to use gw bridge and they went oh wait like if we if we make bridge like he was in the 90s then people will just think it's you know, the Sam Jackson ultimate Nick Fury and cause some kind of, you know, it's that joke that we always have, you know, too, too many blue, uh, too many blue guys, Larry, like you can't have beast and nightcrawler and mystique all in the same X-Men movie or whatever. Cause it's going to, it's going to confuse people or whatever, <laughs> you know, and it's this ridiculous thing. But, but again, like maybe, maybe there's something to that. Like maybe, maybe part of the, the the uh, reinterpretation to make him a little more you know Jack Ryan James Earl Jones ish was was something where they said oh well we we're doing the Sam Jackson thing and 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 whatever interpretation of GW Bridge from the 90s is probably a little too close to that Sam Jackson IP thing we have going on so let's let's take it in a different direction here and and make it a little more James Earl Jones, right? Like, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's well, just, well, I, you know, it's just something that that sort of, you know, I have no evidence for it. It just occurred to me while we were talking about it. But that's that, you know, it seems like that's something that that is is possible. You know. Well, well to add to that, too, this is 2008. Right. And issue uh, the fifth issue. So we're probably started around, I don't know, March of 2008 is when the storyline started. Well, Samuel Jackson had been cast it as Nick right, Fury by that right, point, right, too, because right, Iron right, Man right. came out later, you know, in that year. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. He, he had a cameo. So it also could be not just the comic book appearance, but by the actual yeah, casting yeah. of the real actor. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this this look, though, I, I did kind of was put into effect within the first issue of this book. So that's kind of why I was pointing to 2007. But, but like what you're saying is that would only 
you know, that would only exacerbate if, if, if it was a perceived problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Samuel Jackson being cast and it being a done deal and him already making cameos in Iron Man, right? Like that would, th- that would definitely solidify it if, if it was a perceived problem. So yep. that's definitely, and it's good context, right? For the timeline of this stuff, right? Cause, cause this is coming out right around the time when, when the first, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is dropping and millions of people are seeing that as opposed to the, you know, I don't know, 30,000 people that bought and read Punisher War Journal. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I should at least defend um, Howard Shaken just a little bit, you know, like because I mean, I, I personally have no problem with it. You know, like I, I, I enjoy his art. Um, I think he's a, a master craftsman. Like I, I, I don't. I, I understand what Mike's saying, like the the aspect that like guys like Steve Dillon and even shake into a degree, they, they, they went in a direction where the, the, the much more grounded, you know, kind of, you know, basically the, the, the thing that Howard shaken probably excels at is, you know, drawing a girl in a car on a hill, you know, and making it look super interesting and intriguing. Right. But nothing. And I, I get it. None of that relates to, you know, Stiltman and Rhino and, and the Wrecking <laughs> Crew or whatever, right? But I, I still think there's things about that that are interesting. But I can also understand, like, there, there. I'm sure there are those people that are like, what? Like, you know, you know, not only GW Bridge, but maybe you look at some of the ladies and kind of go, oh, looks like Silver Sable's got some fat face in this or whatever, whatever weird kind of thing you want to attribute to the the style. But, I mean, I get what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be all these kind of like it's like they're they're bridges charlie's angels do you know what i mean like that's that's all it is right like they're right they're 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 you know it's, it's gw bridges angels you know and they're all these these cool chicks from from you know x-force and and spider-man and 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 shield and and so on right so um and and again like punisher even though they were skewing towards the the superhero thing i think where it works best is again the the sequences i wanted you to read them being in the paddy wagon together them having like emotional interactions like i think all of his characters quote unquote act very well like you 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 see the 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 kind of you know, I don't know, the 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 anger, angry, rabid dog that Frank is in that paddy wagon. You know, you see you see the the smirky kind of, you know, guy who's trying to goad Frank, you know, this this chubby asshole who's trying to, like, you know, push <laughs> Frank's buttons and everything like that. So it's like there's there, there, that aspect of it, I think, always works for me. You know, it's like I'd, I, I, I think I'd rather have that than than be like super impressed by, I don't know, um the the slickness of of a style you know i'd rather have the the kind of uh you know acting and 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 sort of uh, things that make me feel the moment of the the piece or what have you so just you know and then it's just just to be contrarian and just to you know say i stuck up for for howard chicken because i think he's a funny guy and um and i do enjoy most of his stuff uh, regardless of the you know the era like whether it's like star wars stuff or whether it's you know i don't know uh, uh the scorpio connection or you know uh the shadow you know all that stuff like i dig i i dig his work so i figure i'll just throw in my two cents as well and and say uh you know, you know that, that the hell with these guys, you know, like that, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's that's Derek, your yeah. feelings are wrong and you should feel. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, I'm in the paddy wagon and, and Mike's smirking at me, giving me shit about the Howard chicken art. 
Um, and then and then Shag like nukes us with a with a rocket launcher uh, from far away. The the rocket launcher nuking is because Mike spoke ill of Steve Dillon. That's actually mm, because mm, I, Steve Dillon nice. and uh, Howard Chicken are completely different camps to me. Terribly sorry, but that's Great. a longer that's a longer discussion. I, I like them both, so it's it's fine. So I, I I know you guys said you didn't have too much to say about it, so I assume we're 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 Audi five thousand on the Punisher War Journal. Got my shoes. Shag, do you have anything that you want to pimp anything? I mean, aside from the free commercial we're gonna give you, or <laughs> I've got a ninety minute dissertation I'm gonna start in on now about Moonstone, so you might want to mm, get a drink of water. Mm, okay. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I again, I love Thunderbolts. Um, every issue was the first issue I ever read. And uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to get a chance to revisit these. And it gave me the excuse to go back and read a bunch more. And now I want to keep going. I want to read more of the series. I want to get to the counter earth stuff. I want to skip the wrestling crap and then come back for what the new Thunderbolts or whatever, the Grummet stuff. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to do all of that all over again. And uh, it's such a fun, great series. And I, I am desperately hoping the movie captures some spirit of what we love. I mean, I don't think we're going to see Moonstone, which we should, but uh, either way, it, uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and I appreciate it. Cool, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on for your your uh, uh, n- not first issue and your first issue. Like, it's, it's <laughs> awesome, so thanks. I guess if I should pimp stuff, I should say I'm with the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I have a number of shows over there. Uh, primarily, I do the Justice League International Blahaha Podcast and the Once Upon a Geek Podcast. Those are my two primary shows. Yay. But I'm also yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm also on uh, Derek's been on both of those, by the way. Uh, I also I'm on the Who's Who podcast and Firestorm and Aquaman and Digest cast and some other ones. And uh, I'm, I'm around the network all the time. OK, thanks, Shag. Um, so we'll we'll go ahead and um, let's see if you have any any emails. You want to send us emails if, if you like Howard Chaykin or, or you don't <laughs> like Howard Chaykin, you know, send us send us some emails at families podcast at Gmail dot com. And we can be found on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We, of course, appreciate any likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. And we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And, of course, you can direct download all the episodes of Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. Fantastic. So this is Mike signing off. This is Derek. Derek WC signing off. This is Shag signing off. You know, Kevin Costner might be an even better choice to sign off. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder.
Now I'm talking to Kevin Costner's people. I'm like, once he's done with, uh, uh, what do you call it on the Paramount channel? We're going to have him come on to the Thunderbolt. It's like, it's like Kevin, like, should we sign off? And it's like, he holds his hand up and then a tornado. like. <laughs> oh, oh, too soon. Too soon. Uh,